Hello, this is Frank Falvey with Frank Presents, and today we're going to talk about the upcoming election. And I want to welcome uh, particularly uh, two guests. Uh, Nancy Donello, the uh, town clerk, uh, has uh, been appointed. And uh, I want to introduce Jamie Helen, the town administrator. And Stephen from Franklin Matters is uh, also participating. Jamie, uh, when when was uh, uh, Nancy appointed and, and who appointed her? Yeah, great question, Frank. Good to be here, uh, as always. I know the last show we were on, we were uh, talking uh, bluegrass, but here we are talking about elections. So, um, so uh, officially, um, uh, Ms. Danello took over on September 18th. That's the effective date of the appointment. Um, and as the appointment letter states, a whole series of state statutes, just so the listener at home understands, our local town charter in Franklin, which is kind of our essentially our local constitution, if you will, um, actually has a safety net for exactly the scenario that, um, that, um, that occurred. And um, uh, the local town charter, because the town clerk is an elected office, um, essentially defaults to Massachusetts general law on how to replace um, uh, that seat in the event of a um, you know, illness, um, you know, resignation, or obviously a passing. Um, you know, so um, there's a series of state, of state statutes. Um, I think the number one question, Frank, I've received from a lot of folks is why can't we have a special election in December? Um, and the reason is, is that uh, state statute does not allow um, for uh, the elected uh, clerk uh, to be done in a special election. It has to be done in a regularly scheduled town election, which would be November of 2021. So. Um, under state law, additionally, um, the power is granted to the chief executive officer um, or the chief administrative officer of a community. And in the case of Franklin, that's me. Um, and so we made the uh, effective date um, last week. And I think, as noted in my, um, my letter, uh, one, of the central, um, one of the central reasons and rationales for this is, and in talking to um, others in the community, including the chairman of the council, it was really apparent that um, someone who's familiar with the local geography and demographics of the community, as well as our election systems, um, is critical um, given the volume of, of voting that we're going to see. Um, and we're very thankful to the Secretary of the Commonwealth's Office um, and a couple of other retired town clerks and a current active town clerk. Um, we are bringing in some additional assistance to reinforce the office. Um, but having somebody like Nancy um, who understands all the poll workers, knows where all the stuff is, knows the high school, knows the local footprint, um, was critical um, into ensuring that the November uh, 3rd election goes off without a hitch. Thank you for that uh, introduction. Uh, Nancy, I want to congratulate you on your appointment. Uh, I know you have been working in that office for the last five years. I have. I have. Frank, thank you for having me first off. And um, Jamie, thank you for the confidence in appointing me to the acting town clerk. I'm looking forward to my new role and I'm ready to roll for this election. We're gonna slam dunk it, as Jamie would say. Well, let's let's begin. Okay. Nancy, <laughs> how can you vote this year? So there are many ways you can vote this year. You can vote by absentee ballot. You can vote by mail-in ballot. You can vote early 
um, in person at the high school for two weeks prior to the election that will begin October 17th and end October 30th. And then you can vote in person on November 3rd. Nancy, how do you register to vote and, and when do you need a register by? So you can register to vote at registertovotema.com. You can call our office and um, we can certainly register you to vote. You can vote on the RMV website as well, the Registry of Motor Vehicles. And you have up until the 24th is the last day to register to vote. We have um, our office will be here from two to four and then seven to eight p.m. Someone will be here to take your voter registration. And people will be, be when will the office hours, when are your normal office hours for people before October 24th to go and register? So as you know, we'll be at early voting on the 24th, the last day to register. So you can either come to the high school and I'll have voter registration cards with me. Someone will be in the office from 8 a.m. till 4 p.m. And then I will come back after early voting at 3 p.m. And I will be here from 4 to 8. So if anybody wants to come between those hours, that's fine because I'll be here. Yeah, I, I guess, don't have a calendar in front of them, the 24th, and why she's doing that. That's a Saturday. You normally wouldn't be open otherwise. Correct. Uh, Nancy, is the town office is open for you, for a person to walk in and register to vote today? Unfortunately, we are not open for people to walk in, but all you have to do is call our office and we'll walk out there outside and um, we'll meet you outside and you can register to vote outside. And we'll come in, register you, and give you an acknowledgement letter. This is a real technical question in the weeds and you may not have the answer to it, but, but I understand that if you're locked up in jail, you can't, you can't vote. So my question is, how does someone get removed from the Franklin voting if they've been convicted of a uh, crime and are in jail? So that's a really good question. Um, depending upon how long they're in jail, they would become inactive in our system. And if they do not vote for four for two consecutive, I'm sorry, state elections, they'll come off of our voting list. Not quite sure if you're incarcerated, how you come off the list. Jamie, do you know? Yeah, I was just going to mention, um, you know, it's a very interesting question, Frank. Uh, I do want to note that all 50 states have dra dramatically different laws on these issues. Um, and, and it's one that really doesn't come up very often in Massachusetts. I think the point that Ms. Dinello just made is actually the germane point, which is applies to anyone, depending on who you are, that if you don't vote in those consecutive elections that she just mentioned, you're going to come inactive off that list, whether you're in jail or whether you just didn't vote or whether you moved or you weren't interested in participating. So it's less to do about where you, what your categorical status is as a resident. It's really more to do with your lack of participation. And, you know, I certainly respect the fact that a lot of people listening out there right now are going to have an opinion on whether it should be like this or not. I just want to make note, that's a legislative decision. Um, that's a decision of the Secretary of the Commonwealth in terms of why do people get kicked off the voter rolls 
even if they haven't participated in four consecutive elections. Four consecutive elections is not 20 years long. I mean, that's something that if you don't participate, you know, fairly regularly in going to elections, you know, you may be dropped off that. And, and my per- professional opinion is I'm not a big fan of that um, because I think it just ends up hurting, um, hurting voter participation. In an election like 2020, where you're going to see record turnout, and I think some, a few people out there may be shocked that maybe they were kicked off the, the voter rolls because of the way the state law works. So, um, you know, I just wanted to make note of that. It's really less to do with your um, status as a citizen. It really has more to do with your, your consistent participation, whether you come off the rolls or not. My question was more prompted by if, if someone has been convicted of a crime and locked in jail and, and the Secretary of State sends them a mail-in ballot form, and it appears that maybe someone could fill that out uh, as appearing that they're not in jail or, or even send it to the guy in jail and he could fill it out. My question is, is more a question of, of balance and control. Mm-hmm. Well, but, but it's kind of deep, so we can go on to something else. I do think, I, I will say this, it's certainly an area, I mean, I, I certainly respect and, and understand where you're coming from, Frank. Um, you know, I, I don't think that this issue probably relates to the broad masses. Um, I don't either. But, but um, it's certainly an issue I know that has been in the press mostly because of the state of Florida recently. Um, and so, you know, it's probably something of concern. But I, again, I would, I would try to get engagement from our legislative delegation on, on issues like that. All right. Um, move, moving uh, on. I'd like to take up the question of voting by mail. Uh, Nancy, can you give us some guidelines about voting by mail and when we need to do it by? Vote by mail, as you know, has been very popular. Um, We've received over, right now, 10,000 cards on top of um, absentee voting. So the state sent out the cards, people received them for the primary. They had the option of choosing both elections or all elections this year. Um, We put them into the system and we're in the process now of putting labels on the envelopes awaiting the actual ballot kits to come in. Um, When should they return them? As soon as possible. I mean, there's so much work that goes into just getting that card into the office. We have to put it into the system. We have to first make sure they're registered active voters um, with the town and they haven't moved. Some people have passed away within the time frame that the state sent these cards out and um, we received them, some of them. And um, we just have to make sure that we have every voter in the system process that request, do the labels, make sure they haven't requested them twice, because in some cases they have. They've requested an absentee and early, and then the state did a second early um, vote by mail uh, card, and we've received those as well. To, To summarize, if I may add, effectively, you've got a process of ensuring that as the applications are processed, there's one application per person that becomes active and is validated against the roles of deceased, inactive, et cetera, et cetera, to ensure there's only one vote for one person. Correct. You know, just for the listener at home, here's the key, here's the key dates. So the ballots 
kits. We call them ballot kits because they're the ballot, the envelope, the return envelope. It actually is kind of more of an assembly kit. Those will be received by the town of Franklin no later than October 9th. We are hoping they get here a couple days before, but obviously the Secretary of the Commonwealth has a lot to do these days. But legally, they're obligated to be in every municipal um, uh, possession by October 9th. We have hired and, and reassigned a series of team uh, of staff um, here. Um, notably, we took the uh, furloughed library employees, brought them in. We've got them doing shifts. Uh, we've got some other staff uh, that have been uh, reassigned to the clerk's office through November as well. Um, and uh, what we're looking to do is right when those ballot kits come in, we have an assembly line up in the, up in the uh, training room ready to go. And so people that are listening can expect their ballots to come out in the mail. Um, you know, certainly probably the week of October 5th um, to October 11th, depending on what day the ballots come in, those ballots are going to land in people's mailboxes somewhere within a few days around that time frame. We're certainly encouraging every single person, if you know how you are going to vote, and there's going to be a lot of questions on that ballot, um, to try to get it back to us as soon as possible. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Um, but really, um, when you look at it, um, we're going to have, starting October 9th, all the way through November 2nd, we're going to have expanded hours at the drive through window at the municipal building till 8 p.m. each night, an additional Saturday and Sunday, in addition to Columbus Day, holidays, okay, we are going to have live people in the drive through window that if residents want to be able to hand their ballot safely, by the way, it, it probably the most safely you could possibly do is to put it in the drive through box. There'll be a friendly uh, face behind that box. The town administrator, by the way, is going to do a few shifts. He's already signed up for a few. And so uh, you can come by, give that ballot um, in person. We also have the white box, which is being relabeled right now to be much clearer that you can use that as an official ballot box. And the town of Franklin has a tremendous amount of faith in the United States Postal Service. I don't want to hear what's being talked nationally. Um, we know the people that we know here that deliver the mail for the town of Franklin. It is still safe to put your ballot into the mail and assured that the U.S. Postal Service will coordinate with us. We're going to be doing daily runs up to the Postal Service to get those ballots. Um, they are going to be bringing them to us. We're going to have a sorting scheme worked out so that everybody, uh, all those ballots go in the appropriate place. Um, so there's plenty of options for the mail-in ballot. Um, that we're trying to double down on to make sure that every citizen with whatever their, you know, perception of COVID is, what their perception of family risk is, whatever it is, how they want to do it, we're going to give you the opportunity to get that ballot and get it into the box to assure can, that your ballot is counted on November 3rd. Can we just cover for a moment how you get the different ways, how you get that mail-in ballot? The first way I, I, I'm aware of is the Secretary of State has sent out a pamphlet and there's a card in there that you can return uh, to get a mail-in ballot. But what are some of the other ways of, of getting or requesting a mail-in ballot? You can certainly call our office and um, we can mail you a mail-in ballot request form. Um, you can email us um, or you can actually uh, go on to the- how? how? What is the email to email you at? 
So you can email us at townclerk at franklinma.gov, or you can email me directly at ndanello at franklinma.gov. Um, you can call the office, 508-520-4900, or you can go on to the Secretary of State's website and request it directly from them as well. They've actually created a portal that you can go on to the Commonwealth of Massachusetts website and request a mail-in ballot be mailed to you if you did not get a postcard as well. It, it is interesting that in the secretary's uh, pamphlet, it says, if you decide not to vote by mail, you may vote in person during early voting or on election day, as long as your ballot has not been accepted at your local election office. Once your ballot has been accepted, you cannot take it back or vote again. Correct. So a lot of people have requested a mail-in ballot be mailed to them with all intentions of going to the polls. Not quite sure of how COVID's gonna be at the time. They have the option of completing the ballot that was mailed to them and returning it. If we process that ballot prior to them going into the high school for early voting, they will not be allowed to vote. If they have not returned that ballot to us, they can certainly vote. And when you say process, what does that mean? Well, what have you actually done with the ballot? So when we accept a ballot, either through the drive up, the mail or the mailbox, um, or if people just walk it up to the door and hand it to us, we have to scan the barcode, which is associated with that voter. It's actually the voter ID into the state recording system. And it tells the state that they have voted. They've, we've recorded the date received. It goes into our vault and stored until we open the ballots. And we'll get into the early opening. Is the mail-in ballot checked off the same computer listing as if you voted in person? It is. So the day prior to the election, we'll print a voter list. And that's a book that has every single voter in the, um, in the book. Um, so if there's an X next to the voter, it shows that they've already voted. So that tells the election worker that they can't vote again. They've already been checked off. Bef the day before the uh, election or the day before early voting? The day before the election. Um, it's not the day before early voting. The day before early voting, we actually download, we have a new system now, we have poll pads that um, when a person comes in to early vote, we'll check them in. The poll pad will record that they've come in to early vote. Once they've voted, um, we'll bring those ballots back to the town hall, scan them into the state system, and they will already appear in the book after that scan. But if you receive a ballot by mail during early voting and a person actually went and early voted, there's got to be a double check there. Absolutely. It'll kick that ballot out of the system. It'll tell us that they already voted. Just like if we receive their ballot in the mail and they show up at the early voting site and we've already processed that ballot, it'll tell the poll pad will tell them that they already voted. You can't vote again. You can only vote once. It says 
when you fill out the ballot, you have to sign your name to to the uh, ballot, uh, which is, apparently is on the outside of the envelope. Correct. Is that name and signature ever checked against something else? No, it's not. It would be impossible. Uh, that's I I would think so. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think yeah. it's I think it's worth <laughs> noting though that and there was an article yesterday that. That came out and said in the primary there was eighteen thousand ballots that were rejected. I just want to note that if if a resident does not sign that envelope, by law you we have to reject it. And if you really, despite what people want to say about those eighteen thousand ballots, a very large percentage of those are people that didn't sign the envelopes for some reason. And I I want to note this is not a change from the way the typical absentee ballot process works. People are still required an absentee ballot if they're overseas or they're out of state or they're on business, you know, whatever the criteria are, they're required to sign that envelope. And, and we are not, you know, you know, we are not required by statute or the secretary of the Commonwealth or nor do we analyze, we're, we're not a forensics agency about whether or not that's an original signature or not. Okay. You know, I think the vast majority, if not all, I mean, like literally 99.9% .9 of those envelopes are being signed by the people that they really are, if not 100%. Um, we've seen studies on this at MIT looking at voter fraud, I mean, and stuff of that sort. I mean, the percentage is, is microscopic in terms of the ability for people to, for any chicanery to happen. But I want to emphasize to any listener out of there, please make sure you sign the outside of that envelope. You have to do it in order for that ballot to count. You have to sign it or else we are required by law to reject that ballot. So when you see uh, news stories about rejected ballots or you see a rejected ballot on the website, findmyballotma.com uh, or whatever it is to track your ballot and you go on and you see it rejected, there's a very, very high likelihood um, that it's because uh, somebody did not sign the outside of that envelope. Jamie, am I correct in saying you do know uh, who the individual is from the outside of the of the ballot yep. you could i i can 't picture this but it would quite it would take quite a few quite a bit of assets but if a ballot is rejected, does it make any sense to attempt to notify that individual that he they did not sign the ballot because you do know who it is that 's a great question i actually don 't know nancy is that something no. that the yes, and guides us on. Yeah. In some cases, we do try and contact, but the um, resident. But it just becomes impossible when you know they don't answer their phone, and then we're just holding on to the ballot. We can't babysit every single ballot. At some point, the voter has to take responsibility. You but need to sign that ballot. Let me ask this: it Does it make sense to set up a website of the town clerk's office? of ballots that have been rejected and someone could see their name. Uh, you have a website, ballots not signed. Rejected. Can't do that, Frank, but what we can do is if you go to the track my ballot uh, website, you know, people should go track their ballot. Mm -hmm. um, again, going backwards, you know, sign the envelope, <laughs> right? I mean, just sign the envelope. It's right there. You write your name and address, and then for some reason you don't sign it, it's, it's, it's right there, you know? And so what we're trying to make sure is that people really, you know, 
Uh, let's not wait to the 59th minute of the football game to wonder why we, why something's happening. Let's deal with this in the first quarter and make sure that people sign the envelope. Okay. Sign it. Uh, yeah, so if I may clarify to go back, clearly you, you talked about the kit, the ballot kit. Effectively, it's a mailing envelope. There's a return envelope, which has the two pieces on it that we've already discussed, the signature and the barcode. And then inside that would be the actual ballot, right? right? Those pieces come out to the voter. Mm -hmm. They discard the shipping envelope because that's no longer going to be used. They fill out the ballot, put it in the return address envelope, sign it. And then when you get it and it's signed, you scan it. So now all those checks come through into the state. Correct. If they don't sign it, you don't scan it. So to Jamie's point, no, we scan it and we reject it. We so, have to reject and, it. And that ties off Jamie's point that if you go to the track by status, you should find that as the status. The town doesn't Correct. need to redo something special for Franklin because the Secretary of Commonwealth already has that. So we have taken some steps. We did make a big red X at the signature line on all the ballot envelopes that have to be returned. So hopefully the voters will see that and sign every ballot envelope. Thank you. Now you've received the ballots. I understand that you can actually begin opening the envelope and taking out the ballots before election day, but you cannot start counting them. So, I actually have a Zoom call at 10 o'clock with the state. All the clerks have a Zoom call. Um, they're gonna let us know what the guidelines are for early opening of these ballots. We can start opening the ballots early. We can take the ballots out of the ballot envelope. We can process them into our image cast, which is the machine that you're actually putting your ballot into. We cannot tally the votes. So each machine will have a memory card. We can't run the tape on the total number of votes until 8 p.m. on November 3rd. Now, there are some ballots that either are folded in such a way that the machine won't take it or that a person puts an X instead of filling in the circle or they fill in the circle with yellow and it doesn't get red. I gather that those ballots uh, put aside, and then they are later reviewed. Uh, and I also understand that I could go to to uh, your office or wherever that is being done, and I could observe it being done. Is That's that correct, correct? So Frank, so so it's you know pending guidance from the Secretary of the Commonwealth, which. I'm in a clause because, you know, these final guidance rules won't be uh, necessarily set in stone until after this interview is over. What we're hopeful for is that the Secretary of the Commonwealth, when early voting stops on October 30th, we are hoping to utilize October 31st, November 1st, and November 2nd, and we are hoping to utilize as much time as we possibly can to process as many ballots in the machine that we're mail-in as possible. The goal would be is that every mail-in ballot would be counted and processed in the machines before November 3rd. That's what we're hoping for. 
And I've very clearly committed to making sure, like on the count night on September 3rd, there will be a viewing area and there will be publicly announced hours to view the processing of those ballots. And so if any citizen wants to come out and hang out and watch, they can. Normally what we're going to get is some election observers, probably some political campaigns, and that's all good. Um, and so Steve Sherlock, well, you didn't stick around, Steve, for the whole night. I stayed to 145, so, you know, I'm sorry on that. <laughs> so sorry, I, I know you'll I, I be there. I trusted the process, and I wasn't <laughs> going to be able to add value. You didn't need me to help, so I'm just I just stepped you, back. Steve. I know. I'm just well, giving you a hard time. But, I mean, in all seriousness, this is an important point because, you know, Steve brings up, you know, he'll be there, others will be there. That's a good thing. And I would encourage anybody to come hang out. There'll be a socially distant area when people can sit, it will be boring, but you will see it all live in action and you can't get any more transparent and raw than wow. just right there in person. So we're hoping to use that time. And the reason why that's important, Frank, Jamie, let, let me interject a minute. Apparently we're running out of time and I'd like to cover some other stuff quickly. Okay. All right. Because you have a meeting at 10, right? I so do. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Early voting will be October 17th through the 30th, and that will be at the Franklin uh, Fieldhouse High School. Is that correct? Correct. It's not called the Fieldhouse, though, anymore, Frank, is it? It's the gym. Tells you how old I am. (laughs) Okay, so at the gym, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Just run us there to, you know, one of my favorite pet peeves. Parking. Parking. (laughs) I was waiting for that, Frank. I thought that was going to be your first question. (laughs) How are we handling, I mean, I don't know whether the kids are in school, but even if they're not, the teachers park there all the time. Are we going to have an outside police officer in the DPW put up barricades so people can vote. We're going to have all of that, Frank. So Jamie, myself, um, department heads, the police all have a meeting on October 1st. We're going to walk the high school, and you're more than welcome to come, Frank. <laughs> and we're going to have signs up. Parking is going to be clearly uh, marked um, for voters. And um, yes, we will have police presence, and we're actually going to up that a little bit. We're probably going to have three to four police officers on site. You can, your children can go in the voting booth with you if if you want someone else to help you. They can do that. Absolutely. But the, the shocker to me was that there's an automated machine for handicapped people. That's do we right. have it in Franklin? We do. Of course we do. We have everything in Franklin. And now we have more. <laughs> um, yes, we do. We call it our handicap machine. And it sits right by the town clerk's table in case anybody needs assistance. And it's basically a magnifier of the ballot. So I'll have to show it to you when you stop by. I'll be fascinated. Well, let's go to the actual day of voting on election day. And I don't know how you decide whether you want to vote early or later if you're undecided, because it could be breaking news uh, on a Supreme Court appointment or whatever. So some people may really prefer, although you've indicated that overwhelmingly mail-in ballots are, are going to be the thing. So not sure that they're going to return them, though. You know, they always have that option. They requested the ballot be mailed to them. 
But a lot of people like to vote on election day, so they may just not return those ballots that they requested and come and see us on November 3rd. But if they, whether they go or voting early or, or voting on election day, uh, they're going to vote by precinct Correct. and, and there's uh, going to be a sign by street, what precinct you're in. Yes. You're encouraging people to, to look at that. Correct. We'll have it right in the hallway as people are lined up. What precinct am I in? And, you know, if they don't look at that, all they have to do is come to the clerk's table and we can certainly let them know. One of the unusual things, uh, Jamie and Nancy, that uh, I, I came from private industry where there was a union contract. And I always thought it was federal law or state law that if you work more than eight hours in a day, you got time and a half. But lo and behold, I guess it was because of the industry that I was working in, the town of Franklin has no such uh, regulations. They've opted that you don't get time and a half until after 40 hours. Many of the election workers are working, am I correct, 16 hours a day? Yep, 16, it's a long day. Jamie, any comment on, on that? Well, we do follow federal law, Frank. I mean, it's not—it's—it's it's not really a local option, to be honest with you. It's—it is—it is what it is. And there's is it different a federal categories. Federal law or state law? I believe it's federal. I believe it's federal labor law. There's no local option. It's not as if the town of Franklin decided one day we're not going to do this. You don't really get a choice in that matter. I would um, think you do. But I will say there's different categories of employees, right? So there's some hourly. There's some that are salary. There's some that, are, you know, there's different categories of employees. So what we do is, um, you know, we follow federal law. We follow state law, obviously, if, it, if it's applicable. But in this case, uh, I believe that's federal labor law. And our human resources department, when those timesheets are processed, that all goes through payroll correctly. And, you know, the proper classification is given through um, through human resources. When, when a poll worker um, or, you know, sometimes, Frank, somebody may work 10 hours for one day. Right. So that's a different classification than if you're a salaried employee and you're working overtime. So there's different classifications for different people. And, you know, I'd have to get my human resources director on the call to really to really get into the next level of granularity. I would imagine possibly I don't know this. Does any union contract that you have with the union require time and a half over eight hours in a day or, or none of the contracts require that? It depends on the employee bargaining unit. So the DPW, for example, that's in there. Absolutely. Now, the election workers working 16 hours a day, uh, I take pity on and kind of have a, a feeling if, if we're doing that, maybe we either want to have shifts of eight hours a day so Frank, or we want to pay them time and a half. So, Frank, we are looking into doing shifts. Um, we've had an overwhelming response. So I'm thinking we may be doing shift, but I have the certain few, um, actually all of our poll workers are wonderful and they're not really doing it for the money. They do it because they know the importance and they love what they do. Um, so we may be considering shifts. Okay. But just to Jamie, just really Frank, Frank, really quickly though, yeah. I just want to make sure the listener at home isn't getting a, a distorted view here. You know, our collective bargaining agreements, this, this, those don't apply to what's going on right now. This isn't a collective bargaining unit of poll workers, okay? 
So you're, you're talking a little bit of apples and bananas here. You're talking about a different level of legal analysis that, that is correct. And I so I just want to make sure that, you know, the town of Franklin does honor its collective bargaining agreements. The town of Franklin, when processed through payroll on timesheets for all employees, this isn't something I do or Nancy does. This is something the human resources and finance and payroll offices do. And so they calculate it according to law. That's their responsibility. I just want to make sure that quick clarification. Can right. Thanks. There are two state ballot questions on the, uh, on the uh, election. Uh, mm -hmm. The Secretary of State has sent out uh, a pamphlet that explains the two ballot questions. Jamie, there is a ballot question for the town of Franklin that's on the ballot. Yep. Do we have any intent to send out information about that question like the Secretary of State does? So right now, uh, so Frank, this is a little bit of a legal, a le this is definitely an issue where there's a legal line in the sand. So number one, there is a fact sheet that we developed and routed to the town attorney that is on the town website. It's on the town administrator's page. It's been sent out um, through blog posts. It's been on Instagram, Twitter, social media, et cetera. Those are the bare basics, right? What is the Community Preservation Act and what is being asked? It's a 2% surcharge on your real estate property tax bill. On that fact sheet, there's a formula so you can calculate what that means to each household. It's on the average of about 100 bucks uh, per household per year that goes into a special fund to allow the town to be able to uh, save up and purchase uh, any open space, do some historical preservation or restoration projects and affordable housing projects. That's as far as I can go. So that's it in terms of the town government. There is a third party group. I have no idea. I, I don't know. I believe Susan Spears is is working on something. Stephen, and so that can is you, something for them. Could you uh, uh, come in? Because yes. you're going to do some programming on that, right? Yes, that's. Uh, I've been coordinating with them to help yeah. them get their word out. So there is a new website that's going to be coming out, CPA4FOR franklin.org or .com, either way. Um, and that kind of communication to Jamie's point, and there was, for reference, there was also a recording Franklin TV has of the December 10th, 2019 meeting for the Office of Political and Campaign Finance that delineated what the town can do versus what individuals can do. Um, that's out there for reference, but there is an organization, CPA for Franklin, um, they're gearing up. The website just came. The Facebook page got created yesterday. So uh, we don't want to overwhelm the folks, but there will be some advocacy for open space, for recreation, affordable housing, and uh, the other topics as we go forward. So yeah. Oh, historical and, preservation and, was the fourth one. Sorry. Yeah. And you'll be doing programming on that. I have uh, interviews scheduled with each of the categories uh, representatives. So to the extent that they commit to those and we follow through, we will share the info as, as it comes through. Yes. Jamie, one question. Does any of this money, can, can any of this money be used for maintenance or is it only capital uh, acquisition? In other words, at the church uh, out on uh, uh, Washington King Street. Uh, can this money be used to paint it if it needed painting? Yes. Or the schoolhouse, uh, if we need to heat it, can some of this money be used to heat uh, that old schoolhouse? Yes. 
Thank you. What is we have a short amount of time, Nancy or Jamie? Is there anything that you would like to cover that we haven't covered? Just want to make sure that everybody, um, you know, incur, do my due diligence here. You know, make sure everybody um, registers to vote. Um, go to the town clerk webpage. All the, what you've heard today is on the town clerk's website. Reach out, email, phone call, um, ask any question you have. We're here for you. Um, we've reinforced the office with a tremendous amount of staff to be able to handle the demand. Um, and as we uh, have kind of joked internally, you know, we, we really want to make sure that given what happened a few weeks ago, um, that on November 3rd and then in the special election on December 5th, that um, our organization shines so brightly that hopefully you can see us from the moon. And, and hopefully we, we can rise to the occasion and, and, you know, make sure that every voter in town has, um, you know, uh, extreme confidence in, in the entire system. So don't be shy. Don't sit at home. Don't make up your own story. And by all means, do not read Facebook and do not believe Facebook. Call the office. Um, you know, the amount of comments I get from people making up their own stories about what they read online is getting, is getting painful to listen to. Uh, Nancy already said the phone number. It's all right there on franklinma.gov. It's really easy to find. Please reach out. Um, we're here for you, and we're going to have the reinforcements to get this done, and, and we hope everybody has a great uh, election season. Stephen, you have any closing words? And just uh, continue to reinforce uh, Jamie and Nancy's message uh, from a Franklin Matters perspective, and certainly in coordination with Franklin TV and radio, we're going to share the information in a factual and timely manner to create that informed voter when they appear, whether via the mail-in ballot, early voting, or on the day of. Let's do what our democracy requires and cast our voice, let our, let our voice be heard. So we're here to support all that. And thank you can for you including me the, today. The, can you give the website uh, for Franklin Matters and uh, when you're on the radio? Uh, FranklinMatters.org uh, should be fairly easy to find. You can also Google Franklin Matters. I'm the only one out there. Um, on the radio, I believe we're on Wednesdays at 9 and 11 for the first ones, and then they repeat like, uh, I think it's 9, 1, and 6, 11, 2, and 8, and then it repeats on Saturday, I believe at 9 and 3. So those schedules generally are on the Franklin TV page as well. I periodically share those. I don't share those every week on Franklin Matters. Stephen Sherlock, Nancy Danello, the town clerk, Jamie Helen, the town administrator, uh, my deepest thanks go out for you to participate in this program. And this is Frank Falvey with Frank Presents uh, on the uh, upcoming election and procedures. Thank you all for uh, joining us. Thank you. Thanks Frank. so much, Frank. And we look forward to doing another Bluegrass show soon. <laughs> go vote.